Welcome to the Deepers Creepers podcast, where we like to get high and talk about horror movies. I'm Casey. And I'm Jess. And this week we're going to be talking about the Netflix film, The Perfection. And I tell you what, Casey, I've never been a perfectionist, but I am 110% gay, and this movie really reaffirmed (laughs) that for me. Listeners, uh, like Jess said, we are talking about The Perfection, which came out in 2018. Uh, it is a Netflix special, which I forget a lot. Not that I want to downplay Netflix specials, because Netflix does come out with some really cool stuff. But Thank it you. is just so fucking good that I was like, oh, I kind of forgot that that was, like, Netflix's thing. Like, way to go. But so is the platform, which we were almost going to cover this week. But I decided on The Perfection instead. And I was really excited because this has been on my list of movies that I have been meaning to watch. Yeah. And I just haven't had a good time and Casey wanting to cover it was the perfect reason and I'm I'm so happy that we did. That's part of the reason that our schedule looks the way it does is because it's mostly movies that either I've been wanting to watch and haven't had the chance to and it makes me or <coughs> movies that I want to show other people. If you hear barking, it's just the mascots. Don't worry. He sees other people, and he doesn't realize that other people exist outside this home. They're not allowed to, apparently. No, they're not. Um, but yeah, so this movie's fucking incredible. I will say that right up top. Um, I think I everyone should go and watch it. If you have not seen it, please don't listen to this. Please don't be spoiled. Just go in knowing nothing and just have your mind blown a couple times. Absolutely. It's really, really good. Um, stacked cast. Allison Williams is in it. Logan Browning. She's amazing. Uh, Steven fucking Weber, like... Jesus Christ. Um, We'll go through these a little more, but just really, really awesome. Um, There's some hot lesbian action in one part. I watched this last night. sexual tension in this entire movie is so palpable. Oh, yeah. And then it gets real weird with the sexual stuff. Oh, my. Real weird, but. I'm talking about the hot lesbian sexual tension. We'll get to the gross stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, sorry. I just hit your phone. Uh, Take me to a Wikipedia page about Boston. 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 Uh, I watched this last night with my boyfriend. I was showing it to him so I could take notes for the podcast today. And uh, he was kind of looking at his phone at first, like not paying attention. He was doing something else. And it got to the scene with Allison Williams and Logan Browning and they were like naked in bed together. And I was like, Jeffrey, you're missing the good stuff. And he looks up and immediately puts his phone down. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I am missing the good stuff. I I don't even think I picked up my phone throughout like the entire movie. It's so fucking Which, good. I am a whore for my phone. Like I am too. But in a movie like this, you're I, like I was so into it. You're enraptured. Absolutely. So, Alice Williams, most people obviously know from Get Out. She's amazing. I love her. Oh, she's an Aries. I love Uh, Aries. Yes. And she is um, in the TV show Girls. That's where I think a lot of other people, if you don't know her from Get Out, you know her from that. Logan Browning, I don't really know anything she's been in. Um, I know apparently she was in a Bratz movie or two. Whatever, I didn't see those. She's flawless. (laughs) She's a, oh my God, I can't believe how beautiful she is. She is, um, let's see, she's in her 30s. How? How? She looks like a baby. Um, Steven Weber is Anton in this movie, and even though he is an absolute piece of garbage, Phil, um, Steven Weber's amazing. I mean, most people probably know him from probably, like, Single White Female. I know him from Stephen King's uh, TV adaptation of The Shining. He played Jack Torrance in that. Um, Just so fucking cool. Uh, Elena Huffman plays Paloma. We will get into these characters later, but part of the reason I bring her up, first time I saw this movie, I freaked the fuck out because Elena Huffman is a huge character in Supernatural for a couple of seasons. She's like one of the queens of hell. Her name is Abaddon and she's a badass and she's got red Ooh, hair. Okay. And so when I first saw her, I was like, oh shit. And yeah, so she plays Paloma. Um, that's most of our like known cast. I will say one thing in my um, research, our movie opens, first of all, with um, Allison Williams and her mom 
And then her two aunts are in the hallway talking to each other. And we kind of hear like glimpses of their conversation. One of the aunts is played by (laughs) the woman who played the grandma in the dream that opened Twilight New Moon. <clears throat> so that happened. That's a big fucking nerd fact for you. Listen, I saw it and I immediately knew what they were talking about because Twilight opens and she's having that dream and she thinks it's her grandma and then she like raises her hand in the mirror and it turns out to be a mirror and she's just all old and it's stupid, but I don't care because I love Twilight. But anyway, the the woman in the mirror, um, she was apparently in this movie for about three and a half seconds. <laughs> But anyway, we are going to get into the plot. This is a good fucking movie. It is. Um, oh, uh, directed and written by Richard Shepard. Um, I don't think I really know. Uh, apparently he did a lot of stuff for The Handmaid's Tale and The New Twilight Zone, um, neither of which I've really seen. So I don't really know anything about him, but I would definitely see more stuff from this guy. Absolutely. I love... The way that this movie was made. Yes. And I will say, because we are going to get into not only what we love about it, but what other people had issues with on it, Um, because I did read a lot of that. And part of it is the fact that it was written and directed by a man. Um, And this is definitely a story about being a woman. It, it is a feminine, it is a female story. It is a, and it's, it very much also, tie, I think, ties into um, and references, like, the gymnastic scandals. Yes. Uh, and these, you know, coaches, these things that have happened to these young girls. And so, These grown you know, adults taking taking their power. And, and brainwashing. And brainwashing. Young kids. Young children. Young women, usually. But, yeah. um, and I do think in that, you know, in that sense, a lot of, you know, a lot of people... Because this did come out in 2018. It is, I will say, up front, we're in spoilers. If you haven't seen it and you're watch, you're listening to this, it's your own fucking fault. This is a surprise rape revenge movie. This does not have the structure of a rape revenge. A typical rape revenge movie is very tragic scene at the in the first third of the movie. Something awful happens to our main character, of course. And then the rest of the movie is her getting her revenge on it. This, we don't know until the very end of the movie that our main characters have been sexually assaulted. And it's just, it's not structured like that, but it very much is, ends up being, you know, a rape revenge story. And this came out in 2018, which was one year after, because 2017 is when the hashtag Me Too, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, blew up, which, you know, started with Alyssa Milano. It started in like 2006, but it blew up in 2017. So a lot of people thought that this was like a response to that and like, you know, the people from Perfection, the Perfection learned all the wrong things about Me Too. And it's like, no, they didn't. They really, they, yes, this is a very, very heightened reality in this movie. No, it is not meant to be realistic. No, it is not meant to be taken literally in the sense like, oh, this is what you should do when this happens. It's just a story about how these characters in this heightened, unrealistic reality deal with this awful tragedy in their lives and the trauma and how they get past it. And it's not saying this is what you should do. This is, it's a movie. Like, fuck you, it's a movie. And yes, the fact that a man wrote and directed this, a lot of people were against it and said, oh, well, blah, blah, blah. But the fact that I think it leans more on that, like, gymnastics scandal, I think lends itself to more credibility for the director because that is not, although it did happen to a lot of young girls, that is not woman-centric. That is not something that only affects women. That is mm-hmm. something that affects everyone as a whole, specifically young children. And I think that's kind of more what he was going for. And we do have a very female-heavy cast. Yeah. Um, that, And I think that says something. Uh, I think this is a really good point before we really start diving into the thick of things. Yeah. Um, to touch on the fact, like Casey said, this movie does mention sexual assault um, in a way that is, it, it is deeply disturbing um, to some viewers, uh, myself included. Um, underage, underage, also we will say that. Yeah. These are teenagers. And young, young teenagers. And so I just wanted to put a little warning in there for anybody that may be sensitive to those topics right now. Maybe skip this episode, skip this movie, and come back at a later time. But you don't see anything. There is no graphic depictions of any kind of fit, that kind of violence. It's not even... It's explicitly stated at one point where she says, no, you've raped me. But it's not... There are no 
indications of how it happened. There are no, there's no scenes where it's happening or yeah, it's after just heavily just hap- implicated, yes. and it's and it really is only in the last like. 30, 20, 30 minutes of this movie. It's done in a very so if tasteful way. If it has to be in there, I think yes. it was done well. But I do still think it's important if, to mention that. Yeah. You know, if it's, it's something you ooh, really cannot be around, yes, this is definitely one to skip. If it's something that you are sensitive to, which I think pretty much everyone is, but not... Unless you're a serial fucking killer. Yeah, that's true. Um, but can handle certain things without it being graphically depicted or or if it's handled in a correct way, then I think this is one of the movies that a lot of people can watch and still be able to enjoy without, you know, being hurt. Right. Because <clears throat> it is, again, it's not I Spit on Your Grave. No. It is not Last House on the Left. No. Nope. It, I, I want to very much say it is not that. You do not get any of those scenes and that's why I can watch this movie over and over again. I've seen Last House. I've seen I Spit on Your Grave. I've seen the sequel. I don't need to watch them ever again. No. I saw it. Great. It was, you know, whatever. The second half of the movie's awesome. I don't need to watch those. I, I just don't. I've seen it. I don't need to watch Cannibal Holocaust again. I just don't. I'm right there with you. So anyways, glad that we got that hard part out of the way. Let's get into the thick of things, shall we? Alright. Yes, so uh, the movie opens up on Allison Williams' mom's face. Her dead face. Yeah. Scary dead face. It's really um, scary. Uh, Allison Williams looks unbelievably young at, like, in this first scene especially. She just, like, from what I from what I know of her now, she just looks so young right here. Um, she's sitting in this chair staring at her dead mom. Her aunts are out in the hallway talking. We get a little exposition of you know, she's been taking care of her forever. We find out pretty quickly, um, Allison Williams, her character is Charlotte, Charlotte Wilmore. Charlotte was a cellist prodigy. She was an incredible, you know, young cellist who was, you know, fit to be the next great. And she had to quit. She was at this prestigious um, music school and she had to quit to take care of her mom because her mom got really, really sick. Um, and this was, I think, 10 years apart-ish. You know, I think something that I really enjoyed about the way that this movie is presented to us is we are deceived as the viewers so many times. Mm -hmm. Like, in this intro scene, I thought she hated her mother. I thought Mm -hmm. she resented her mother for ruining her bright future. Mm -hmm. But, like, And she did for a while. Yeah. Because she was brainwashed, you know, as we'll learn, as we'll come to find out. And then later, just things start to unravel, and you're like, Because we see these match cuts of her, you know, of her sitting in this chair, and when they match cut to her as, like, a 13-year-old when she first came home, she's pretty much wearing the same sweater, sitting in the same chair. It's, you know, a younger version of her, an act, you know, young actress playing her. And you see, like, uh, like a... a split shot of her screaming and then it'll go back to Allison Williams just kind of sitting there. And it's, it kind of really does tell you a lot. Like she has sat in this chair for 10 years taking care of her mother. And I think it's really interesting. The first lines we get from Charlotte are calling who we find out are Anton and Paloma, who were the, they run the music school that all these people go to this, um, back, back off, back off. Yes. Yeah. Back off Academy. Um, sorry, they run this. That. No, that's <laughs> fine. Um, they run that. And her first words to, you know, in this voicemail, she leaves for Anton and Paloma. She says, Anton Paloma, my mom finally died. And that's another one of those. Cause from the beginning, you really don't want to trust Charlotte. And yeah. I think that's very, very pointed and specific and on purpose that she says this very specific dialogue of, oh, my mom finally died. Because that's not how most of us would describe our mothers. Even if you had taken care of her. uh, I said most of us. Fucking orphan Jess. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's true. Yeah. uh, And it just, it's very, we're meant to think that she is so relieved her mother finally died. And in a way, as a child, you're relieved your mom isn't in pain anymore, obviously. Right. But she is really, and she's putting on the show for it. I think that's why she says that specifically, because she wants Antona Paloma to be like, oh, she desperately wants to be back with us. Yeah. And she's just playing the game. And let me tell you, Charlotte, I fucking love you. Me too, bitch. Me too. And like, Charlotte yeah. Charlotte is my, my fucking girl. And it's like, in real life, yeah, if somebody did this, like if Charlotte did what she did to 
Logan Browning's character in real life, I'd be like, oh, you're a fucking psychopath and I hate you. But in this movie, I'm like, no, it was necessary. It was perfect. I love you. I love your relationship. I want to be both of you. I want to fuck both. Wait, what? Fuck both of you? Yes. They each have a hand that they can work on me with. (laughs) Sips the tea. (laughs) We're a mess. Yes, we love women. I'm going to say that right now. Uh, okay. Uh, anyway, so, distracted. Yeah, so we find her. Um, Charlotte ends up flying to Beijing. I think it's Shanghai. 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 She is in Shanghai. She sees this poster of Elizabeth. There's a very pointed poster of her looking over her shoulder. Elizabeth Wells is um, Logan Browning's character. I don't know if I said that. Um, and Logan Browning is a mixed black woman. Just keep that in mind. As a lot of you know, Allison Williams from Get Out, this came out the year after, a a white Allison Williams playing opposite a black love interest so primes you to be like, oh God, Elizabeth, Lizzie run away. She was so terrible. Oh my God. And she was so perfect at the beginning to be oh like, my God. and you're like, they're so in love. I love I their relationship. And then at the end of that movie, you're like, oh God. Fuck that white bitch. Fuck this movie. Right. Fuck all white people at that right. point. Um, when she first gets to Anton and Paloma, there's like a really like, uh, zoomed in shot where she like hugs them and turns her wrist around and you see these awful scars on her wrist. Yeah. We find out later she did try to kill herself at one point. Um, and we've already mentioned, you know, the sexual assault. It was because she was brainwashed by essentially this cult. These people who run this back off academy. We'll get into it more later. But, um, and she had to be, she had to take a lot of therapy, years and years of therapy to realize, uh, that it wasn't a good thing what happened to her. Right. Um, But yeah, so I wrote, Lizzie is so beautiful because we see her in person and, God, I just fucking love Lizzie. She is oh just amazing. Oh, my God. She's just so stunning. Yeah, they're at this, um, like, party where, because Anton and Paloma are scouting nude cellists um, in Shanghai, so they are having, like, a finalist thing, and Charlotte shows up, and Charlotte and Lizzie are gonna um, judge the tournament, like, because it's three young girls facing off against each other um, for basically a scholarship to back off Academy, mm-hmm. which is again, just this thing that everybody wants to be a part of, you know, all these amazing, like, you know, musicians come out of this school and nobody knows. Ugh. Cause by the time you get out, you're so brainwashed. You just become one of them. Yeah. And it's really fucked up. if, you know, if Charlotte hadn't gotten out when she did, she would have become another one of them. And it would have just been bad. Yeah, horrible cycle. <clears throat> yep. Um, I loved their relationship during judging. It was super flirty and cute. And you could tell that Lizzie was genuinely a huge fan of Charlotte. And, like, the first and that time was you... so sweet. The first time you watch this, when they first meet each other, and she seems so awkward, and she's like, I downloaded all of your music. And uh, she says... Um, or Lizzie goes, you were my idol. And everything I wanted to be. And the first time you're watching this, you're like, oh, man, I want to believe in this, but I don't know. And then the second time around, you realize that, like, they both truly mean what they're saying. They, like, absolutely are inspired by each other. Absolutely. And, like, later Lizzie says this thing, um, you have and always will be the person that makes my heart skip a beat when you play. And I just get chills when I think about it. I did too. And I just, I love their relationship so fucking much from the first time they meet. And like, at first it's like awkward and cute. And then like Jess said, when they're judging, it is so hot. It's so hot. Oh my God. Side whispers. Yeah. She's like whispering to, Lizzie's whispering to Charlotte about these parents that are having an affair. She's like whispering in her ear and it's so fucking hot. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I wrote, there is some sexual tension in this room. Oh my god. The sexual tension. Could be cut oh. with a butter knife. Indeed. Yes. Hot ass lesbian couple. Yes, I did write <laughs> hot ass lesbian couple because they started making out at one point. They go dancing. Yeah, they go to the club. They go dancing. Yeah. It was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a very specific scene before they do that where they are outside 
And Charlotte asks Lizzie, do you ever think about leaving back off? And Lizzie says, no, it's my family. I could never. It's what's expected of us. And you just see this, just this draining in Charlotte's eyes. Like, fuck. She's in deep. So in deep. And she is. I mean, she really, really is. She's got to go through what happens, you know. She does say something about resting her hands during, because she's taking a two-week break. Yeah. And she says, you know, I'm going to rest my hands. You'll get rest on one of them. (laughs) Yep, 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 yep. Yep. (laughs) I don't even, I can't with you. Uh, They play a hot cello. Rest in peace. Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. They play a hot cello duet together. (sighs) It's just so great. And it like, it's like, uh, playing over like them dancing and them making out and it'll cut back to them playing together and it's two extremely beautiful women in these awesome dresses and I love cello music I really do it was um, gorgeous and I thought it was very um, this time around I did note the fact that um, that scene does not cut off with the music the music cuts off and the scene ends with Charlotte moaning like and gasping. Yeah. And I very much think it is telling you from the beginning, this movie, although coming into it, you think this, this is not about the music. This movie is not about music. It is not about the music that they play. And it is not about musicians. It is about these two finding each other fi- and finding their way out of their own trauma and finding healing in each other. Yeah. It is not about anyone else except for these two finding that in each other. Yeah. And... I love it, but I still love cello music, so I like listening to that. <laughs> All right. So, the next morning after they come back from the club and they're banging, which we loved, um, they talk about going on a... Lizzie wants to go on, like, a, a fuck-off trip. Yeah, she said And just, like, go into nature for a couple weeks. Yeah, she wants to do, like, backwoods of China. Yep. Um, very like, you know, rough and tumble kind of, uh, you know, buses and backpacks kind of trip. And she asks Charlotte if she wants to go with her. Um, and I love that. And Charlotte's like, fuck yeah, I don't have anything else to do, which we know what's going on. (laughs) Um, yeah, they wake up the next day and Lizzie is so fucking hungover. She feels like shit. So Charlotte gives her some aspirin, question mark. (laughs) <laughs> and a little hair of the dog, some alky alk. Um, and they get food at the grossest place of all time. I don't know. It like, looked fucking disgusting. There were there was no one, nowhere else you could go that didn't just have cum in a bowl. Because that's what it looked like. Cum. It looked like grits that somebody came in and then shit in. And then put like a little asparagus on top. Oh, God. It, I don't know what it was. And I'm not being disrespectful because y'all know I love to eat. Yeah, but like this, and like it's supposed to look gross because she like picks it up on her spoon and Lizzie looks like she's about to puke because she's so hungover. Um, There's a very pointed shot of a butcher knife that Allison Williams is standing next to Mm -hmm. um, that Jeff did not notice first time around. And he said later on, he's like, yeah, because everyone just has that carried around with them. And I was like, no, she grabbed that earlier. (laughs) Specifically. Yep. Um, So they go on this... um, you know, rough and tumble trip. They get on this shitty school bus, bus. <laughs> shitty ass school bus. Um, you know, ready to go through the backwoods, basically. And <laughs> Charlotte sees a bug on the back of Lizzie's jacket and like wipes it off. She's like, "Ew, there was a bug. There's no bug." And then she starts like rapidly feeling worse and worse. She's getting nauseous. She takes has... a whole bunch more of the pills that uh, Charlotte gives her. Yep. And she starts, like, getting, like I said, super nauseous, and she throws up on the window, and Charlotte's like, oh my god, is that maggots? Are those fucking bugs? Are those fucking bugs? And it cuts over the, um, like, puke, and there's actual bugs just crawling all around in it. Oh my gosh. The bus has to stop at one point, so Lizzie can take a big old shit all over herself, basically. She's like, I'm I'm going to shit myself. She's like, I'm dying. She's like, there's a fire in my brain. She keeps saying that over and over again. There's a dude trying to, like, translate to the bus driver. The bus driver's pissed off that she threw up in the bus, and everybody's, like, so freaked out about germs. And this whole time, I'm like, 
why isn't, like, at one point, after the poop and the puke, she's, like, bashing her head into the window, Lizzie is, because she's, like, freaking out. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, why isn't Charlotte stopping her? Why isn't she doing more? Because she's kind of doing a, uh, a Willy Wonka, no, don't, stop. Yeah. (laughs) She's not really doing anything, she's just, like, letting her... Get through it. And we find out, we figure out, you know, later, she's trying to get them kicked off this bus. You know, she wants them to get kicked off. So she's letting her freak out until this bus driver literally tosses them off the bus. In the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere. And, oh, it's so fucked up. This And Logan Browning really does give such a good performance of just, like, she is freaked the fuck out she doesn't she's hallucinating she thinks there's bugs inside of her she said her brain's on fire she can't fucking she keeps puking she can barely stand the pain and you can see it like from the moment logan browning wakes up on this you know this day in the movie like before she even starts feeling as bad as she does you can just see it on this actor's face like Logan Browning is selling the shit out of this. And I oh, can 100%. feel how bad she feels. Yeah, because she was, like, snippy for a minute. And then she's like, sorry, I just don't feel well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think um, once they get thrown off the bus, she, in addition to all those other symptoms, looks down at her arm. Mm. And it's, like, crawling. And bugs start popping Ooh. out of it. She's like, there's bugs. She's like, what's happening to me? And Charlotte's like, oh, my God, they're in your arm. They're in your hand, Liz. You have to get them out of your hand. And Lizzie's like, what do I do? What do I do? And Charlotte pulls up her butcher's knife and she says, you know what you have to do? And Lizzie grabs that fucking thing. And, and chops his fucking hand off. Oof, chops that shit off. And rewind. The movie fucking rewound. It literally of funny games. Oh yes. Yes. The movie literally rewinds itself back to their hotel in the morning. And now we're seeing things from Charlotte's perspective. The thing is, you didn't know you were seeing everything from Lizzie's Lizzie's perspective, perspective, but we were. We were in her shoes the whole time. That was the only thing the audience knew was what Lizzie knew. Now we're seeing what Charlotte knows. Charlotte wasn't feeding her aspirin. She was feeding her her mom's cancer pills. Which Which caused hallucinations. Ooh, that was... uh, And exacerbated by alcohol. Yep. Uh, Nausea, vomiting, headaches, you know, all these awful symptoms. Cancer medicine is strong shit. Yeah. That is not... You know what I mean? That's not somebody popping a Xanax. You know what I mean? she took several of them. Oh, she took a handful of them. And she took them herself, pointedly. Allison puts her... She doesn't make her take them. She says, here, you know, take as many as you want. And Lizzie's just grabbing them and popping them in her mouth. Lizzie was the one who cut off her own hand. Uh, But anyway, um, we go through this whole thing and we see, you know, uh, Charlotte is plotting this thing the whole time. And she grabs the butcher knife and it cuts back to the scene where Lizzie pukes on the window and Charlotte goes, are those fucking bugs? But it's just bile. Yeah, but we cut back and there weren't any bugs. It's just bile. And, like, at the beginning, when they first walked on the bus and Charlotte was like, oh, look, there's a bug on your back. There was no bug. No, She's she was planting to, yep. these, this evidence of this stuff. Um, so, at this point, I'm like, what the fuck? I truly started to trust you. I thought you were a girl's girl. Why are you committing these heinous acts? And we're meant to think... You know, and something I would have hated if this movie had been what it seems to be at this point is the crazy lesbian trope. You know what I mean? The obsessed lesbian trope. And I'm sick of it. I hate it. I don't, I don't typically like seeing that in movies. And if that had been what this movie was about, I would not like it the way I do. But it is not about that. But of course, that's what Lizzie thinks. She's like, no, she's a jealous fucking bitch. She made me cut my arm off because I had everything she had. I was in the place she was supposed to be. I was, I had, I held the life that she was supposed to have. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, she's just a jealous bitch. Oh, I do want to say before, at one point, Lizzie falls asleep on the bus before everything goes really haywire. And there's this scene where Charlotte's kind of uh, making faces at this little girl. And she is in her headphones, very loudly listening to rap. It is hip hop music. Very pointedly. Later on, we see Anton in his car with Paloma, very pointedly listening to classical opera. If Charlotte was the crazy, jealous, obsessed with Lizzie because she had the life she wanted, still wanted to be this amazing cellist, 
we would see her listening to the same thing that Anton is listening to later in the movie. That's a good point. But she has moved on that. from that. She is, she's not listening. She is not that person anymore. She's sitting there listening to hip hop. And I just, I think if she was that crazy, you know, just jealous woman, then she would just be sitting there like very still listening to, you know, classical music. And she's not. No, I think that's a really good point. And I, I think, didn't even think about that. You know, first time around you don't. And then second time around you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, is this where it reverses again or is that later? I later think? on. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah. So then it cuts to uh, three weeks later, I believe. Yes. And we see Anton and Paloma who are now back at the academy and we're getting to meet their newest student Ugh. and her family. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, Zhang Li. Zhang Li, yeah. Zhang Li, yeah. Yeah. This sweet. Ugh. I mean, just the cutest little girl. She looks like she's like 12. She's so at agreeable one, and at respectful. One, at one point, she's like wearing this frilly pink dress. She looks like a fucking cupcake. Like, she looks like strawberry shortcake. And I'm like, God, stop making her look like such a baby. This is hard oh to watch. God. And, like, her mom's dropping her off at back off, and in my head, <laughs> at one point, I was literally just thinking, this little girl's like, please don't leave me with these white people. Mama, please don't leave me. Uh, she was not even ready for what was coming her way, that poor yeah. little girl. Yes. Um, and that night, Lizzie comes back, and she's standing outside the gate, and Anton walks out, and he says, Lizzie, where have you been? And this, he, I don't even think he gets all the way through that line before he looks down and says, what happened to your hand? He notices it immediately. Yeah. He doesn't, like, he doesn't care about anything but her hands. No. That is the only useful part of him. Well, mainly the only useful part of her that he can use to his advantage. And he just notices immediately, like, what the fuck happened to your hand? And, like, without even, like, offering her any help, he's like, yeah, you have to leave tomorrow. Yeah, it, I think it's, like, a day or two later. And this is the part I really want to talk about, this scene specifically. Because, of course, like, that night they're like, well, what the fuck happened? She explains, you know, by the time I woke up in the hospital, Charlotte was already out of the country. They couldn't do anything because I took the pills. I cut my own hand off. You know, it was me. They, you know, there's nothing they can do about it. And so it may be the next day. It may be one day later after that. Um, first of all, I love the costuming in this movie. I think it's very, like, one of the most just well thought out costuming designs of any movie, specifically with color, um, because throughout the whole entire movie, Lizzie and Charlotte are either at all times wearing red, white, or blue. At all times. Mm -hmm. The only time that either of them is not in one of those colors is the very last scene of the movie. They are both in gray hoodies. Matching gray hoodies. Yeah. This scene specifically when Lizzie wakes up, and I've brought this up a couple times, this whole, you know, allusion to the Olympic scandals that happened. And if for some reason nobody knows what we're talking about, it's these, it's this thing, this phenomenon that's happened so many fucking times where coaches will sexually assaults young gymnasts and they take them away from their families. They brainwash them. It's this, you know, it's this whole awful thing that happens in the Olympics, something that, you know, is worldwide. And in this scene, she is dressed exactly like a gymnast. Logan Browning is not a tall woman. She is petite. She's a petite person. She's in a red, white, and blue pullover like a swishy pullover and like black, almost look like legging pants. She looks like a gymnast. Yeah. That's... And this is the moment where she comes downstairs and Anton and Paloma are like, we need you to leave. Casting her away the second that she is not useful to them. Yeah. They're Pal like, we need to make space for somebody that is valuable. Yeah. Paloma even says, uh, this is an academy, not uh, um, something about a brothel or something. Something stupid. Not a convalescent home. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fucking bitch. And... Paloma can get fucked. Yes. It's... And I, I think she's, like, with her little sneakers, I think she is dressed so specifically in this scene. And they just shut her out. They're like, no, you gotta go. 
and there's this really awesome camera shot where she's like walking down the hall and she's crying and then she gets this angry look on her face and the camera tilts in a 360 like it goes all the way upside down and around I like I like when directors do cool shit like that don't just put the point the camera and shoot I want to see some cool shit I mean, between that and the the rewinding scenes, yes. I love it. I love the rewind scenes. Like and said, I think like a lot of that has to do with editing, too. Yeah, and you're making me realize, like, how how everything had a purpose yes. in this I, movie. Because, like, a lot of times in movies, as the audience specifically, and you kind of want this in a lot of movies, you have the omnipresent vision. You can right. You know everything that the characters don't know. In this movie, you only know exactly what they want you to know and you're typically only seeing things from one very specific perspective except for when things rewind and it shows you everything from a different perspective that changes every single thing you've seen in those scenes leading up yeah and i love that i love that about this movie i think it's one of the things that makes it so fucking cool and interesting and I love the scene when Lizzie's leaving the academy and she punches Charlotte's picture. Yes, she does. She, she was she shatters big mad. Them. And it's such a weird picture. It's the young Charlotte, like 13-year-old Charlotte. And, um, and no, Todd's like, like no, standing yeah, there. Mm. Yeah, gross. But um, yeah, Lizzie's going to go to fucking Minneapolis. Yep, she goes to Minneapolis and she finds Charlotte's home. And she breaks the fuck in. <laughs> yeah, she does. She breaks the fuck in and she tases the shit out of Charlotte. She does. Kicks her oh on the ground. God. She's like, you fucking bitch. She's so mad. And I mean, I would be too, you know. I Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> she made you cut off your hand. And we cut away from that and we cut to what I was talking about earlier. Anton in his car with Paloma. They're pulling up to back off Academy and he's listening to... You know, classical music, and he's doing his little whatever Conducting. conductor thing. God, I hate him. He's such a fucking pretentious asshole. I hate him so much. But, um. But I love this scene. <laughs> well, Lizzie fucking kidnapped Charlotte. Yes. So she, like, they, like, Anton pulls up and he gets out of the car. She's, like, standing outside of her car outside the gate and, like, leaning on and, the hood. And he's like, I thought I was clear. You, you know, we, we need you to leave. You're not welcome here. And she said, because you don't, because I didn't have anything you want, now I do. And he says, what? What do you mean? What do you have? I have the bitch. In the trunk. And he, he goes, where? In the trunk of my fucking car. <laughs> can I come home now? <laughs> like, so can I come home? Like, I fucking love her in this scene. She's like, I have the bitch. Oh my god, I love her. Ugh, I'm so... I'm obsessed with this movie. Uh, when very, um, uh, I noticed this time around when Charlotte wakes up, because of course she's knocked out and she wakes up and Anton's got her like tied up in their, you know, living room or whatever, one of the sitting rooms. And she wakes up and the first thing she asks is, where is she? And of course we're framed to think She's thinking, where is she? She's crazy. She's going to kill me. Mm-hmm. You know, is she around or am I safe? And Anson's like, she's downstairs. You're fine. That's not what she means. She wakes up and goes, where is she? Is she okay? Have you guys found out what's going on? Or she wakes up and is immediately like, is Lizzie okay? Yeah. But we're framed to think of it as like, oh, God, where is she? Is she behind me? Is she going to stab me? Right. But we know. We know. We know now. Well, we didn't know Dean. Uh, this is when it all comes out, like, what happened? Because we're still in the dark for a lot of this. And Charlotte starts to say, like, I did this to help her get away from you. And you see this, oh, Stephen Weber's performance. Even though I hate Anton, Stephen Weber's performance, specifically right here, where he's, like, sputtering at first. He's like, what? What do you, he wants to be like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? And then he just stops and his face just drops. And he, like, drops the act of, like, he's like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. He's fucking disgusting. Oh, what a great actor. God, Steven Weber's amazing. It just uh, was so chilling. Yeah, I mean, very much the same way that, like, I love Justin Long, but his character in Barbarian yeah. can go f- fuck off. His character in Tusk hated that, too. <laughs> but his character in Barbarian was way worse. Yeah. No. Way worse. He's had the shit into the stick on characters lately. Ah, <laughs> oh, but he plays it so well. He does. Like, that's the thing. He can play anything. 
Um, I think I forgot a thing we forgot to mention earlier and that's really important is that they both have a matching eighth note tattoo on them. Yes, they do. And Which she, is tiny and very important now. Yes. Um, and she brings that up. She says, I know, I saw her tattoo. I know what she had to do to get it. And we're starting to realize, like, oh, God, what yeah. happened? And we flash back to this scene. There's this room downstairs that um, Anton had previously shown Zhang Li. It's, like, an acoustically perfect room, and it's where... It's where you are taught the perfection. What is the perfection? It is, if you are in that room with Anton, you have to play perfectly. If you miss a single note, you're punished. How are you punished? Well, (laughs) flashing back to the scene when she's only 13, she's playing, she misses a note, and I could hear it this time. She misses a note later, and I didn't hear it. I heard it this time. I could hear where she missed. And... He says, what happens next? And she says, we pay the price. And this is the most and explicit it ever gets in this movie. We see a very, very blurred out, like out of focus shot of him. But you can tell he's naked walking toward young Charlotte. We know what happens and that's all we need. That is the most graphically it is depicted in this entire film. And that is all I need. I get everything I need from that, and I don't need anything else. There's these little flashes of young Charlotte imagining herself running out the door and running away, and it culminates in this really beautiful scene at the very end. Um, And she's, like, you know, sitting there, and she's, like, he's asking her these questions before he does the thing to her for the God knows what time. Yeah. Um, And she's, like, it's what's expected of us, but she's staring at this door, and she's just picturing herself running across the lawn and running away getting out of there and then she does because her mom gets sick and that's the way she's able and what we've alluded yeah what we've alluded to before you know these girls are fed this information for years and years away from their family they live with you know at this academy with anton and um he's not the only one uh theus and jeffrey who we haven't uh talked about yet they're two like teachers at the academy you are assaulted by everyone they yeah it's like it's definitely a sex cult yes um but for years and years they take these girls and they you know they beat that into you they assault you over and over again but they tell you it's for a higher purpose you are getting close to god when you reach the perfection that is the closest to god you can get and we are doing this for a higher purpose and a higher cause i'm not doing this to hurt you i'm doing it to make you the best you can be and brainwashes these women into thinking, you know, by the time they grow up and have some kind of authority, they're like, no, they helped me. No, they, they made me the, the artist that I am today. And it's that brainwashing trauma that so often happens, Mm -hmm. you know, even in just a one-on-one relationship that can happen where you are sympathetic to your abuser, you know, and that, that happens a lot. (laughs) More often than not. Yeah, especially in positions of power. Like Mm. I said earlier, like, your coach or your teacher, your professor, taking advantage of your youth and naivety. Yep. Any Um, adult. Any adult, yeah. It's it's just disgusting. But it's a very important point being brought up. And like you said bring it to the, like, to, like, the people's attention in a way that was powerful but respectful. Yeah, and it's not just documentary style. It's not just a straightforward, like, we're going to make a story, a drama fiction movie about a gymnast that her coach does this to her. No, they make it so that it's a movie. It's still just a movie, but you can draw these things from it. It's not beating you over the head with, ooh, there's this thing that happened and I'm going to write a movie about it and I'm going to make this gymnast look like this one gymnast that it actually happened to and this coach and I'm going to use, you know, blah. No, he wrote an entirely different thing but drew on these traumas. And that's what art is. Absolutely. And, you know... It was so it was so well done. There are certain times where you can say oh, maybe that person doesn't have the authority to be writing that. But also, who who can say that? You know what I mean? Who can say 
he doesn't have that authority to write on this. We don't know what his life is. We don't, you know, it's Absolutely. just, art is art and it's going to be made by people no matter what. And yeah. Um, well, what I think is crazy is they were, we're getting pulled back into that room that Casey was talking about. Yes. The acoustic room. Which is the acoustic room. He pulls room. Allison Williams down the stairs, Charlotte, and she wakes up in this red dress, very red and she's chained to the yes. chair. Um, she begs Paloma to stop this. And Paloma just goes, it's what's expected of us. And it's another one of those just women <clears throat> being force-fed this, I mean, religious rhetoric until it's just so seeped into you that you don't know anything else. You don't believe anything else. She's She's just as wrapped up in this as everybody else. And she's just as you know, culpable now. Yeah. She really is. And the most horrific part is that we see um, Anton bringing in Zhang Li. Zhang Li. This is when she looks like a fairy princess. Yeah. Like in a beautiful pink dress because he tells her, because of course, like we've said, if you make if you make a mistake in this room, if you, you don't the reach the perfection, you pay the price. He tells her, well, this is a little different because if you fail, if you miss a note, if you make a mistake... It won't be you who pays the price. And then he brings Zhang Li in. And Charlotte's like, if you have to do it, do it to me. Like, if you, if it has to be done, don't let it be her. She's just a child. And this is when Charlotte straight up says, you raped me. You raped Lizzie. We were children. And Anton even asks Lizzie, he says, is, is what I did to you abuse? Is that what you would call it? And Lizzie goes, no, the work that's, you know, the work that we do here is perfect it's reaching the perfection is the greatest thing and we know that she doesn't believe that anymore but that's the way that these students and specifically lizzie before this happened that is the way they think that no they didn't abuse me they didn't i wasn't they were helping me they had perfection they helped me become the amazing artist that i am i wouldn't be who i was i wouldn't be this renowned musician if it wasn't for them doing what they did and it's like no that's not true no but it's, it's a cult. They've brainwashed her into believing this. And he even says, oh my god, yeah, okay. So she plays this song. It's amazing. I love her so much. And like I said, I didn't hear, maybe like the third time I watched this, I could kind of hear it. But I didn't really hear the mistake. But you see the camera's on Anton's face and it kind of like jerks just a little. And you can tell she made that little mistake. And he puts both of his hands on Zhang Li's shoulder. And, and she, like, oh. shudders. Like, oh. you can tell she's absolutely repulsed by this man. That's why I think when that, that look to her mom was like, Mom, don't leave me here her with intuition. these people. Yeah. These, you don't know them. We are in, like, Boston. I live in China. Take <sighs> me home. But then... He, he sends her out. Yeah, he sends Zhang Li away and he goes, I'm not some random pervert. I was... The fuck you aren't. The fuck you are You're not aren't. a random pervert. You're a specific pervert that should die. Ew. Because then right after that, the, he says, Theus, Jeffrey, come get me when she stops biting. <sighs> Ew. That's Disgusting. so uncomfortable. Um, And we did forget to point out that, of course, the rituals... That they have. Because it's all a ritual. It's not, they're just not, they're not random perverts. It's a whole spiritual thing. (laughs) But, um, Lizzie made the drinks. And, uh, there's this, I thought this movie was gonna go there at one point. Because they're about to assault Charlotte. And Lizzie goes, no, I want to go first. And she unwraps her stump. She unwrapped her stump. And she was, I was like, is this movie about to go there? And again, if it had, I wouldn't like this movie as much. But the fact that it teases it for half a second and doesn't happen is so perfect. Because it gives you that like, oh my God, without having to see it happen. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, oh my God. I truly thought it was about to happen. But then right as she like starts to slip her hand, not hand, (laughs) Up her dress, these and Jeffrey just keel over dead. And then they kiss, and then... Rewind! I loved the kiss. I was like, what the fuck? I know, I was like, yes, make out some more! 
it rewinds back to Charlotte's house. And Lizzie did kick her and, you know, say, I should fucking kill you. And then she says, but you were right. And she says, what you said by the tree stump or by the rock, you were right. And we cut back to right after she cut her hand off. Charlotte's still sitting by her and she said, I had to get you out. You were in so deep. I had to make sure that there was no reason Anton would ever want to see you again. And at that point, Lizzie's still like, no, you mate, you're a fucking crazy bitch. Like, why would you do this? Yeah. And Charlotte's like, no, I had to. You, you were brainwashed. I had to get you out. And I'm so sorry. But there is going to be a point where he turns you away and he will not be there for you when you need him most. But I will be. Yeah. And she fucking is. She is. She, because Lizzie comes back and she says, you were right. You were right. And she's like, we have to take them down. And Charlotte's like, anything, anything you need. And because they are literally, they are so in love. Oh my God. It's and so I love hot. it so much because they truly are like so meant for each other. And they've been through this experience. And like, they've loved each other for so long. At one point early in the movie, Charlotte's like, I downloaded all your music. And first of all, that's such like a 2010 thing to say. I love it. And when Lizzie was like, I remember the first day I ever saw you. Right. Like, <sighs> we met before. Yeah. I she saw her it. like leaving the academy and yep. <sighs> they are so sweet together. I love her. Uh, but yeah, then shit hits the fan after the dudes fall over. Yeah, shit hits the fan hard. So then um, we go back to that scene because now we know, like, oh, shit, they were in on it together the whole time. The acting, amazing. It's so good because then my favorite scene of the whole movie. I mean, it's the end, but it's it's so fucking good because Anton is sitting there listening to classical music upstairs waiting for his turn. (laughs) Sorry, that felt really gross to say. Um, and Paloma walks in and he's like, did you put the kid to sleep? And she's super fucked up. And he's like, Paloma, what's going on? I think she pees. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she's like she's, super drugged, but then <laughs> she's peeing while she's standing. But then, um, Lizzie and Charlotte walk in and they're gray hoodies and just push her over. But there's this very awesome record scratch where uh, the classical music stops and they put on this hip hop and it goes just dun dun. And it's just this <laughs> awesome beat that comes in and they just walk in and push her over and she falls down dead because she's got a fucking knife in her back. Yep. And Anton's like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> and oh my God, Lizzie's line where she's like, we're going to cut your balls off and sell them as trinkets. I fucking loved it. In a, in a not as, like in a more realistic movie, in a not as heightened reality, that line wouldn't land the same. But in this movie, I'm like. It works. Fuck. Yes. yes. I will be looking for those on eBay. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sure you could probably also find his eyes and his mouth and his nose and everything else they sew up at the end. Oh, my God. And probably an arm and a leg. The body oh horror my element of this. It starts out as just like a regular thriller and then, yeah, it gets very cronenberg body horror. It was, um, it was amazing. Because, yeah, they... Uh, you know, we did, you know, of course we do find out that Charlotte had to go through, like, electric sh- electroshock therapy. There's little cut scenes throughout the movie of her getting her head shaved after she tried to commit suicide. And that's kind of what brought her out of, like, oh, no, this was a bad thing they did to me. And she, like, takes her wig off. Because she's had, like, shoulder-length hair. Yeah. She takes her wig off and she's still got her buzz cut. Oh, she looks so good. She and does. I love her. And then... She, I think she just goes, like, now, and Lizzie just goes ham with a fucking butcher's knife. Oh, my god! Just gosh. starts whack, like, hacking into this fucking guy. And he puts up a fight at one point. He stabs a knife oh. through Charlotte's arm and, like, pulls down. It's so... That was hard to watch, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, and... But, yeah, at the end, you know, and this is the part that, well, actually in a second. But, yeah, so they finally get the best of him. And they, uh, Lizzie's, you know, beating him at the golf club. He's like, this is for Charlotte. This is for me. This is for every little girl that ever trusted your sick, sorry ass. Yeah. And then we get this needle drop of one of, 
One of my favorite ending songs to any movie, Petals by Chromatica. <laughs> it is such a fucking beautiful song, and it starts playing over the ending, and we get this shot of young Charlotte, like, in her dream, like, running away, and she finally, like, runs and gets away, and she stops, and there's just this, like, look on her face, and it's right as this song reaches its climax. It's so fucking good. And then in the middle of all this... <laughs> The only other time we do not see one of the girls in red or blue, they come out in matching white and black pantsuits. Yes. They each, so Charlotte lost her hand from that. They lost opposite hands and they sit down at the cello together and they play together with one hand each. For his fucking barely alive, amputated, cut the fuck up body. They boxed him up. Like, they cut off his arms and his legs and sewed his mouth and eyes shut, and he's, like, hooked up to an IV. But he still has his ears, because he's got to hear. Yeah, they're making him listen? Yeah, they make him listen. As one. Oh, my God. And, of course, not realistic at all, but I don't care. This is a heightened reality movie, and I love this ending. Oh, my God. Because, holy shit, what could be better? It reminded me, have you seen American Mary? No, I haven't. Okay, I won't say anymore, but you need to watch it. Okay, well, I will definitely add that to the list. Yeah, but it's like it, a, the ending reminds me a lot of some things that happened in that movie. Yes. And it, I love it. Yeah, and I think Petals was just such a perfect ending song. Like, the lyrics are beautiful, the song is beautiful, and I just, like, the ending, I was just like, fuck yes, dude. I am so for this fucking movie. I'm so happy that you... We're like, we're doing this because yes. I loved it. I absolutely want to watch it again. Like I said, it it did have moments where it was hard for me to watch. Yeah. But I fucking love a, a, a badass woman overcoming revenge story. Yes. I love it. Bad bitch endings are the best. And yep. that, like, even though this does have some very heavy scenes and some heavy... Uh, content that's hard to deal with sometimes, um, it's still more fun than the platform. <laughs> um, so that's kind of why I just wanted to talk about badass bitches, especially after talking about Aaron last week. Yeah, we were just riding a high. Yeah, I just needed to ride on that woman high for a little while. I'm cool with that. Um, but yeah, please, if you guys haven't seen this, if you've made it through this fucking podcast and you haven't seen it, I'm disappointed in you. But if you haven't, still go watch it, because it's a great movie. It's it's so well acted. It's it's truly amazing. Yeah. And it's it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. So it's always on Netflix. I know y'all have access I know you to have Netflix. someone's Netflix. <laughs> like, there are some things like, yeah, not everyone has Paramount Plus, but everyone has access to a Netflix at this point. Sadly. <laughs> Sadly. Yes. So, um, I think we're going to stick on this trend, actually, of woman trauma because next week oh, good. we are going to be doing uh <laughs> last night in soho okay cool i haven't I watched that yet so i'm so excited i haven't seen it since it came out i saw it in theaters it's on hbo max uh for anyone listening please go watch it ahead of time it's oh my god it's amazing um edgar wright i think wrote it and directed it it is beautifully shot the colors are amazing the acting is amazing such a good fucking movie. Go watch it. Well, I'm excited. Yes, I am too. Um, But yeah, final thoughts on this. I just, you know, perfection was perfect. It was perfection. Perfection was perfection. Indeed. Yes. I can think nothing punishable about it. No. Love it. Love it. And if you guys still think that, you know, a male director isn't qualified to write this, that's okay. You're allowed to think that. And you're allowed to like movies. And you're allowed to not like a movie. And you're allowed to have your own opinion on those things. And you're allowed to be wrong. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, you're an independent person, and you can, if you feel that this movie was not tastefully done, that is perfectly fine to think, because it's your own experience. Absolutely. But it's a good fucking movie, and I don't care. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But yeah, so we look forward to uh, next week. Um, Hopefully pretty soon into 2023, we can start doing visual. Very excited. We're going to make a YouTube channel. We're going to have a whole thing. Um... 
once we do that, I want to start adding in, like, clips of the movies that we're going to be covering. Yep. Um, I think that'd be awesome, so please look out for that. Please, please rate and review wherever you listen. We finally have enough reviews to have a star rating on Spotify, but we need so many more. <laughs> um, please. So rate and review wherever you listen. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Deepers Creepers, and feel free to email the podcast at deeperscreepers at gmail.com, or deeperscreeperspod at gmail.com. And All right. Yeah, till next week. Stay, Stay spooky. spooky. Bye. Don't be a fucking creep. Did you get those eyes?